Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name's Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here, and I live in the world of recruitment. Today on the show, we're changing things up a little bit. We're doing a Would You Rather episode. We are. We've actually stolen this really cool episode idea from our friends over at My Millennial Property. So if you haven't listened to John and Emily, we do recommend that you head over there. If you've got anything to do with property, that might be just simply that you live in a house, whether you rent or otherwise, shout out to those guys. But we listened to their episode and thought we must do that for careers. 100%. So before we get into it, though, we want to shout out to our show partner, Rarekind. Rarekind are here to raise leaders, to create uncommonly good work experiences, to find the unfindable, to create culture and to celebrate people. But not the ordinary kind, the rare kind. You can find out more about Rare Kind by visiting rarekind.com.au. All right, Em, let's get into it. Why am I nervous? Uh-huh, because, well, because here's how the game works. Everyone's played Would You Rather, I'm sure, at some point. I think you're nervous because you have to make a decision without context. I know. And also, you always said it there, you have to choose, right? Like, there's no, oh, well, if this, then that. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. Just, anyway. It's one or the other. It's going to be a fun episode, difficult decisions. Play along at home. That's right. Play along at home. Okay. I'm going to hit you with it first. This one's a broad one and it's one we've talked about heaps anyway. Okay. More money or better culture? Better culture. Um, yeah, this is an easy start. What's I know, we've got to Better culture. I'm 100% with you. Yeah, and oh, we, we've talked about this so many times and perhaps also I'm a bit influenced by it's my lived experience. I oh, money, money is fine. Like, yes, you need money, right? And you, you need a certain amount of money to be able to do the things that you want to do, particularly in your personal life, live the lifestyle that you want, so on and so forth. But when you've experienced a poor culture and like, you know, God forbid you've experienced a toxic culture, you know there's nothing worse than having to turn up every day and be a part of that. And you know that saying people say, saying people say that sounds silly, but where they're like, you could not pay me enough to do X. Oh, yeah, that came from somewhere, right? I think you could not pay me enough to work in a toxic culture. I just... It's soul-destroying. Yeah. I will stand by that. I mean, that sounds like a lot, right? But it is soul-destroying. You don't want to be that person that is in tears the night before or the morning of going to work. Or in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's not go down that hole. Uh, <laughs> look, the answer is so culture. Uh, that's an easy one for me. All right, you're up next, Shell, to answer first. Would you rather a boss who's freakish, freakishly, who put that word there, freakishly talented but an asshole, or a boss who is incompetent but super nice and humble? 
Oh, this is really hard. Okay, so I've got to say, I have thought about this beforehand because I was like, I need to get my head in the game. What would I want to do in this scenario? Because you want to learn from someone yep. who's really talented. Yeah. But if they're a massive jerk, then obviously that's a drawback. But you, everyone's worked for an incompetent boss who's beautiful and nice. And that is also very annoying. And so hard. It, it's annoying, but also so hard because you're like, I don't want to be annoyed by that because they're so lovely. But, but they just, yeah, can't I just do wish job. they were better at their job. <laughs> I just wish they could actually oh. do what they're being employed to do. Um, I would pick the incompetent boss, but super nice. Because, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, I was like about to jump in and just please. go, okay, please explain. <laughs> because if you work for someone who is, maybe they don't have the full set of skills they need, but they're really nice, they're humble and they are kind to work with, I feel like there's more ability to influence and say, okay, hey boss, I would like my role to look like this. I would like to be doing this, this and this. Here's the gaps and opportunities and potentially things that they should be doing. How do you take those on and create more opportunity for yourself in spite of them? So you can, uh, I guess, own your own career and take control of the situation more easily perhaps if they're incompetent but super nice and humble compared to if they're freakishly talented but an asshole. I don't want this to become a game of I agree. However, I agree. And for me it's because my concern if I look at that scenario is that the asshole might be like super talented and just like, you know, total guru. But for me, asshole says that they care more about themselves and they're not going to put that time into actually teaching you what they know. Or I think about the when they take credit for work you've done so it doesn't actually benefit you anyway. You might be learning from them technically, Mm. but you're not learning from them in terms of how we want to work and behave as people in the workplace. And if I can just throw this out there, not as a fence-sitting statement, but just some extra context in case someone listening is sitting in one camp or the other right now, I would also add that to have both these experiences in your career is not a bad thing. And we did an episode called Horrible Boss, um, or it was about horrible bosses, and we unpacked there, and I do believe in this, that you can actually learn from either experience here. You might not be learning the talents of the freakishly talented boss, but there are other things you can learn about how to manage a situation like that for a limited time period. Like let's not spend too much time in either of these situations. If we had to pick one, we've both said incompetent, but super nice and humble is the one we would pick. If you're in the other situation though right now, make the most of it is my point. All right, next up. This is a good one. This is you. Stay or go if you got a counter uh, offer. Oh, so instantly my answer is go. And then there's this little voice that says, oh, are you sure? Now, if I try and place myself in that situation and I think what would I have done to get to that point that I've made the decision to go and I've got the offer from like, you know, another opportunity and then I'm resigning and then my current boss says, but if we give you this much more money – like, will you stay? And I, I just know that the way I would have handled that situation is it won't be a surprise to my boss that I'm leaving or that I'm unhappy. And so, like, I guess my point is, like, to get me to the point where I'm, I've got another offer on the table somewhere else, I've tried everything. Yeah, so you're almost saying you're not going to be in this position because... Oh, yeah, I, well, I, I kind of was almost saying that, but that's probably not playing by the rules of the game. 
But if I if I did find myself in that situation, I don't think there's an amount of money. Like I would have tried everything to make it work in the current workplace. And yeah. I, I would be so firm on like it's just not working. Uh, my time here is done. Yeah. That there wouldn't be an amount of money that would be worth it. And I would be I would like to think I'm excited about the next opportunity and I've negotiated like a great offer there that is the right amount. Um but yeah, look, that's me. Easier said than done though, when I'm sitting here pretty. Easier said than done. I think it de- – <laughs> we're not allowed to do this, but I was just going to say it depends on the counter offer because if it's money, I'd say no. If it was a new opportunity, a different role, I'd say I'd definitely consider and say probably yes if it yeah. was the right opportunity. Okay. So I love this little like let's, plot twist. Oh, uh, sorry, plot twist. And I know we said we wouldn't give context, but um, that's the context. <laughs> no, but so. I like that we're bringing these situations to life because the whole point is – to get us thinking about, you know, what would we do if, but also I have no doubt that someone's listening right now and they are trying to make that decision. Like they've, you know, they've got till the end of the week and they've they've got this offer on the table and then they've also got this counter offer on the table and they're just listening going, what do I do? Yeah, it's, I remember I got offered a role. I went through this full big recruitment process and my uh, employer that I was with who I'd been with for about six years at the time came back with a counter offer and it was awesome offer it was financial so they gave they offered me 25k increased my salary and a car and not to sort of poke around too personally but I imagine at this point in your career 25k was probably like yeah I was, I was like as a percentage of what you were earning oh right. wow yeah okay so oh maybe it was 25 something like that it was yeah. early and yeah, 25k increase and a and a car, company car, and I remember being like, oh my gosh, this is a really wild offer. So and how is your ego in that moment, right? Because there's uh, a couple of things going on there, like you know, different people want you. Well, yeah, and and the job that I was offered was a massive step up for me. Like I totally did not feel qualified for that that gig, um, and felt like they might have accidentally given it to me or something. <laughs> but I. I had to really wait up because it was all ego actually. It's amazing you, you, you've pointed that out because the idea of, okay, well, you really need me and you really want me to stay was really flattering and, mm. it, and it like gave me a big head. But I could see the new role while it, it was still a big pay jump up but there wasn't the car so there was a downside in taking it in that regard but i could see that it was a stretch growth wise and so i was like i'm going to i'm going to grow more here whereas i will plateau in my current role that i was in so that's what really led me to choose that's why i say if it's money mm, not not a driver for me but certainly for other people if if you're in a position right now where you're trying to save for a house deposit and you really want and need a bigger salary, then go for it. Absolutely. But for me, because I go back to my values and my value has always been growth. I want to be in the role where I'm growing and learning. That's been a guide for any time you have those really tough calls. I look at, well, where will I grow more? And that guides the decision. And if I can just like float back into your story there and insert something else that I imagine might've been going on for you. You're also not like, not only are you weighing up the ego boost of, wow, my current company really wants me that much that they're now going to throw this car and money at me to have me stay. But you'd also perhaps be battling, yeah, this stretch opportunity that's new would be exciting, but scary. Like there's more unknowns and sometimes it can feel safer 
to go, oh, okay, yep, I'll just crawl back over in here and I'll take my car and my 25 grand and I know you guys and, well, you'll just keep looking after me, right? So there'd be so many little mini battles going on in your mind. So many. And that's why this question is such a good one, Em, because they're really tough decisions. And I think that's why, you know, we've talked so much on this podcast about knowing your values. And I feel like in every key decision, and and that's why we're kind of, our values are somewhat similar. So that's why we probably answer in similar ways. But go back to your values and see what matters to you every time you're making these big decisions where they feel like, holy crap, this is scary. This is daunting. Where do I go from here? And look, not to hover here too long, we'll move on in a second. But if I can challenge anyone also, just back to where I sort of started my thinking through of this, to get yourself into a position where you're not facing a counteroffer decision. If you were to Google reasons you shouldn't accept a counteroffer, they will talk about things like, well, why didn't your current employer give you that 25K in a car before now? Why did it take the threat of losing you to get that? They'll also, you know, Google will also talk to you about, uh, well, all those other reasons you were leaving, they're still there. Like even after that pay rise comes, they're still there. So, I would just come back to what we also talk a lot about and that is like having conversations and considering your values before you start making these big decisions and and try and not get yourself into the situation where you are actually facing a counteroffer decision. Okay. Next one. Would you rather work in a big organisation where there's heaps of career progression or work in a smaller business in a role where you have heaps of influence and breadth? I feel like you wrote this one for me, Shell. Oh, uh, the small business. And it's funny, like as we're moving through these would you rather questions, I'm waiting for the one that I feel like I haven't faced yet. Uh, and look, arguably the counter for one was it. But funnily enough, these other ones, maybe I spend too much time pondering, pondering careers. Uh, maybe I don't spend enough. But this for me, I remember. So oh, call me 32 now. I don't mind sharing my age. I reckon I was probably about 24 and a few years into um, my, my, I guess, you know, big girl career after uni and I'm still working in the same organisation. But at that point, I'd started to wonder, okay, you know, while I was at uni, I was in a smaller business. I've come out of uni, I'm in a smaller business. Seems great, really like, you know, no complaints, culture's great, blah, blah, blah. However, I was trying to take a strategic approach to my career and I was looking going, do I need to tick the box of working in a large organisation so that I've had both experiences early and I can then find out what I like more and kind of head in that direction for the rest of my career? And I never actually ended up leaving this business that I, I joined, this smaller business that I joined after uni. And I'm really happy with that decision but it was a decision that I needed to make. And what it came down to, sorry to bang on about it, guys, but was values. You know, I worked out that what do I really enjoy about the smaller business that I'm a part of and have been a part of for a few years? And it was the fact that I felt like I was making a difference, that I could see the work that I was doing and what impact that that was having. I felt like I had a sense of influence, not only across the business, but also of my own career as well. You know, if there was something going on for me, I could go and have a conversation about that and I could see and feel the change that happened. And if we think you're one of your values you mentioned is leaving a legacy. And so yes. we connect that when you're in a business of, you know, uh, currently your work is 70 staff. Yeah, so it's still not a, yep. it's not like 
five people. No, back then it would have been about 30. So, so in that time you have been key in big decisions and you've left your mark on the organisation that you work in and I think that's where we connect the values to the situation and go, well, what makes sense based on what you want to achieve at work? For me, I would probably say I'd rather work in a bigger organisation where there's career progression. And part of that, again, if you're in this scenario right now, because most of us face these decisions in our career at some point, and I know lots of people, I remember at one of the My Millennial Money events, someone came up to me who was working in local government and they said, oh, I think I need to get out of government and go and work in the private sector, in in corporate. And I, I was like, why? Like, why? Oh, because I think... That's what most people do. Like they need to have that. I'm like, do you love your job? Yeah, I love it. Do you love your team? Yeah, I love it. Do Are you happy with the pay? Yeah. Okay, so why would you leave? Just because of some external pressure. I That resonates so much with me because a couple of memories I have when I was tossing this around in, you know, real life, I remember having a conversation with a peer. I'd worked with her previously. We'd gone to uni around the same time. She was kind of at that point heading on, you know, that same career journey as me. And she worked in a really large organisation. And it sounds kind of silly to reflect on it now, but it was meaningful at the time. And it was her talking to me about wanting some stationery and the process in that large organisation that she had to go through to get access to like a ring binder folder, which people probably don't even know what that is anymore because, you know, paperless. But the process she had to go through to do that And then when I, at the time, reflected on my experience in a smaller organisation and not only how easy it was to get stationary, but also just how easy it was to get whatever I needed, I just went, oh, I think I like what I've got at the moment and that might change one day, but I'm not done here yet. And I've still got a whole career ahead of me where I can have the big business experience and I can still say that, like it's still so early in my career but why would I leave some? I remember getting to the point where I was like, why would I leave something just for the sake of ticking a box and feeling like, oh, I've done a bit of everything on paper? I think that's it. It's like working out where the pressure's coming from. So where is that? I remember in that conversation with her, it was where's the pressure coming from? If it's external, well, that's not good enough really to make a decision based on an external influence. But if it's because you really want to work in a large organisation and actually have the visibility of, you know, 5,000 staff, what does that mean for leadership development? Because there's always leadership roles coming up. That's where I guess for me, I lean towards, I'd rather work in an organisation where I can see the complexity and learn from that as opposed to that fast-paced simplicity that you might have in a small business. The other thing is just being able to, experience a whole range of things that maybe you don't get in a smaller organization and mainly comes down to leadership opportunities. So the growth in terms of management, which is something that I'm really passionate about and the ability to specialize and go deep on something that you get in a bigger business. Yeah. And how funny I'm now sitting here going, oh, maybe I should have another look at a big business. Maybe I should do that. I think I'm being convinced. I won't, but, uh, you know, my boss listens to this podcast every now and then and I'd be happy for him to hear that. And maybe you won't get to a counter <laughs> off a stage. Maybe you'll just get totally. more um, money or something. But it is good to hear and I'm so fascinated by hearing other people's experiences that I haven't had and you're just always kind of bubbling it around in your mind, aren't you? Yep. All right, my turn to ask. 
Oh, this feels like it was almost made for you, Shell. This is um, this is interesting. Would you rather a for-profit or for-purpose organisation? And can I insert in there when I say I feel like this is made for you? You've had both these experiences. I haven't. And so I'm so keen to hear what sort of thought process you go through in, in answering this. Oh, this one's so easy for me. I would always choose for-purpose or not-for-profit if okay. you want to use that term. Unpack, um, please. So, yeah, I've worked in both, worked and, and worked with clients in uh, for profit, obviously, as well as working in that type of business myself. And I've spent a heck of a lot of time in a not-for-profit uh, organisation or multiple organisations. And the purpose and sense of meaning you get when you're working in an organisation that you fully believe in their mission, there's nothing like it. And so if you haven't worked in not-for-profit, here's my big like plug go and do it. This is something I think everyone needs to do. Now, you don't have to necessarily work in employment, but you could volunteer on the board if there's board opportunities that you're starting to consider. Go and do that because it will just change your life. <laughs> like I can't I can't advocate for it enough. One of the most meaningful things that you just said there for me was working for a for purpose or a not for profit where you fully believe in what they do. Like that sounds so important as far as the formula to success in really being able to sit here and be such an advocate like you are. And we're seeing so much more now, especially with Gen Z coming up, people want meaning at work. And now you can find meaning in any job and in any organisation, but there's intrinsic meaning in not-for-profit and it doesn't get enough like credit and we don't focus on it enough because I don't know why maybe because the the money isn't there or something, I'm not sure. But it's just when you feel like your job, you're getting paid to give back in some way, that is such a unique and amazing opportunity. And so I would encourage anyone to at least once in their career work in a not-for-profit environment. This is so cool. And again, I'm just sitting here going, oh, my my career list, to-do list, wish list is growing I have only worked for for profit as far as my day job. I have had experiences through board appointments and, and in other ways for for purpose organisations. But from what I'm hearing from you, I would have a whole different experience and viewpoint if that was my day job. So this makes this really challenging for me because it's a real heart and head decision. And there's part of me that really connects with what you're saying but only in a theoretical way or a hypothetical way, if I have to choose, would I rather? Right now, I can only go off what I really know about myself and I would say that right now I would prefer to work for a for-profit. In the future, that might change. There's my little, you know, not allowed fine print. The reason though that I've really landed on for-profit is I feel like the way that I'm wired in this moment in my career and what I'm looking for in the way my brain works, uh, I just, maybe it's a sense of comfort. I know the for-profit world. Um, you know, I, I know you need to look at things commercially in a for-purpose, but I feel like I'm just like comfort zone in the for-profit commercial viewpoint sort of space. So I hope that's not a cop-out answer. No. But that's a really challenging one for me. So I'm probably just resting on what I know. And I think that's part of it. It's hard to imagine yourself. It, it's hard to answer the question when you haven't experienced both worlds. And so for me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what I choose now yeah. that I've experienced both worlds for sure. Yeah. But again, comes back to 
creating and I think it's how do you create those opportunities for different experiences throughout your career as well but making sure it's not based on external pressure. So don't yeah. let me externally pressure you. No, I won't. But I am so, you know, grateful to you to sh- for sharing that experience. And there's tons of stuff that I'm really passionate about doing. Can't do it overnight, but that I'm passionate about doing with the for-profit vehicle that I have in my current workplace. And, you know, I talk about that with, the, with my leaders and basically say to them, this is part of my vision. And that is about bringing some sort of for-purpose element to what we do. And, you know, in a bigger way than we currently do now. And so I'm, it's made me even more excited to try and mesh these two worlds. But I know that's outside of the rules of the game. So if I have to choose, I'm going to stick with the would you rather and say for profit. Nice. All right. We're going to take a break here and be back in a moment. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Money, My Millennial Money Express, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Health, and My Millennial Business. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, this is a good one. Okay, I'm going to hit you with it. Would you rather work in an environment that was super flexible, so you have complete autonomy and flexibility in how you do your job, but it's not fun, or no flexibility, but super fun and epic? I love that you add epic in there, like just to really make sure (laughs) that when I choose super flexible, but not fun, I know what I'm missing out on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. No, look, for me, it is super flexible, but not fun. <gasps> I know. I'm and sure. I know you're on the opposite side of this. I really do. And I am okay with that. We can be different people sometimes. <laughs> totally. Can you s- tell me why? I can tell you why. I Fun is not as strong a value for me as it is for other people, friends of mine, you. What is a really strong value for me, though, is autonomy and ownership of how I go about getting done what I get done and the idea of not having that level of like when I when I read or hear I should say it is in front of us but when I hear you say no flexibility all of a sudden I just go what like I just would not cope if I you know it screams like rigidity and micromanagement and just losing that sense of independence that's so important to me. And so if I have to look at which is more important to me, it's that, that flexibility and what that means over the fun. It'll be hard to give up the fun, but I can find fun in other places in my life. Now, as I'm hearing you say that about the autonomy, I'm like, oh, yeah, 
Because you really like autonomy too, I like to be in charge of what's happening in terms of my own schedule. So, yeah, I do need, absolutely need flexibility. But if I was going to choose one or the other, I'd choose fun because I – I went, I went somewhere once that was so boring and mind-numbing and I, I, I had full discretion over what I was doing. It was like, I can't. I just can't. I'm just the, – the life is being sucked out of me. And I've worked places that were um, super fun in an amazing fun team and we worked crazy hours and there was not much flexibility but I was like, this is my – I'm so engaged. I'm loving life. I'm laughing every day, like cackling – all through the work day and I think that's where I feel I'm in my flow state and so yeah that'd be my choice. And what is so cool about all these would you rathers if anyone's out there getting sick of us talking about our values I'd ask you not to be because so often we try in our episodes to bring to life what does it mean to work out what your values are and so what is so cool as we answer these would you rathers is we're just bouncing off each other and reflecting on all of these experiences we've had in the last 10 to 15 years and going, we've had these experiences and through those we've worked out what is important to us, our values, and then that's really shaping what we'd prefer to do. But I reckon if we agreed to come back and answer these questions in another five years, then we might have some different answers because we will have had another five years worth of different experiences or different life context. And your value changes over extended periods. Your goals as well. We talk about goals from time to time and there might be a time where your goal is more financially driven and so you go, yeah, I'm hanging around for that counter offer. Yeah, it's so good, Em, not to get sick of talking about this because it is the foundation and I think getting a career that you love always starts with your values. All right, we've got time for three more. Pay transparency. Oh, this is a big one. So if you have seen in the news lately, you may have noticed that lots of the big banks, big consulting firms are now having policies about pay transparency where they're totally releasing all the pay info, making it available to staff so they know and there's no longer a pay secrecy clauses in contracts. Big deal, massive deal. And I feel like we actually should probably do an episode itself and just like kick this idea around because as someone who, you know, works in this space, not only as, you know, an employee, I'm an employee and I think, okay, what would pay transparency mean for me as an employee? How do I feel about that? Also with my leader hat on, but then as a person that's in and around careers, HR, recruitment, like this space of people's pay, I've just got so many thoughts and I'm trying to find my position on it, right? So let's say, would you rather have pay transparency in your business or would you rather not know what people are paid around you? Right now for me, my answer is not no. Now my little like explanation for that answer and I say right now is because I'm still exploring that that whole concept and wrapping my head around it and if you can ask me this question again in the future, maybe, you know, when we do an episode on pay transparency, I would love to kind of come up with, you know, whether I really want to put concrete around my feet with that answer or whether I want to like jump over the fence and have a, the other answer. But right I, now I'd say not no. And I think that goes to there's so many unknowns. It's a really new space right now. It's something that we haven't done in the past. And so we'll be navigating a lot of teething issues, I suspect. And I also think when I think about your answer, I'm like, well, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Like not knowing what people are paid around you is this like it 
it's bliss. But the the fallout and the big bloody fallout <laughs> is that there's gender pay inequality. And that's where I'm so conflicted. Like this is this is a big deal and I completely believe in why the decision is being made and why this is in the media in regards to it's it's an initiative to overcome pay inequality. And so important. So important. Pay inequality um, is everywhere and so it's how do we make sure that we get to the outcome that we're driving for which is that people aren't subject to bias when it comes to their pay. I am for pay transparency and I don't think that's surprising to anyone. I think that we need to go there and we're going to have some tough things happen as a result for sure but I would rather have pay transparency because it creates accountability for leaders. So instead of people just pulling salary numbers out of the air, it forces people to really think through okay, well, now that this is this information is visible to the world, how do I justify my decision-making? Because I need to, if I'm going to pay this person over here this much money and this person that much less, well, why is that? And as employees, I would urge you to just sort of sit in that, have a bit of a think about it. Imagine if you knew what the people around you were earning, not just the people in the same role but people in other roles and then how you would feel about that. And there's a whole range of other, I'm going to say consequences, not necessarily with a negative connotation but just consequences that would occur from this. So it's like, yep, the the big reason for pay transparency, absolutely no argument from me, fully believe in it. But what we need to be ready for and why I would like to say not no is my answer right now because I'd like to spend a bit more time understanding this and thinking it through is the ability for us as humans to be objective when we have that sort of information and we're looking at ourselves and going oh what do I feel like I should be earning and then we're looking at other people around us and judging what they earn and decisions that other people like the leaders have made about what each person earns that's a really sensitive space and And I I think the thing we're thinking through from a HR perspective is when you when pay information is released and people don't have context for the reasons why, it has a huge impact on culture. So it's, I think we need to have pay transparency, absolutely, and I'm all in that camp. And we also need to have training for people around how pay decisions get made, how we benchmark to the market, and because it's so connected to people's sense of value in terms of their worth and that's why it's a really complicated issue. But I'm so bloody stoked we're moving towards this because this is going to be huge in eliminating pay inequality. You did a really great job there of explaining I think what I was sort of trying to say in a clumsy way and it's I'd love to insert the word trust into this conversation too because with that training also has to come a a heightened level of trust that your leaders are making the right decisions. So whoever's responsible for pay decisions, if they're deciding that actually there is some sort of difference, and I'm not talking about a pay inequality difference, but some sort of difference where, okay, we have a band for this this role and some people sit at one end of the band and some people sit at the other end of the band, you know, why that is, you may never know every in and out about why different people sit at different parts of that band because that's between them and their employer. And, you, you know, it's not your role to know everything about everyone else's employment experience. 
And so therefore there's going to be a trust gap and we all have to kind of, you know, be grown up enough to deal with that as well. Oh, and I just, I know we've, we're talking about this one in detail, but it's because it is a complex issue. But I think about examples where we do have pay transparency, right? So in uh, professional sport, we have transparency on what people earn. And I think about the World Surf League, if you follow WSL, uh, my husband's a massive surfer and so we're always watching it here at home. And one of the amazing things that they did was because the prize money was released and made known, it forced the transparency around that forced them to decide to pay male and female surfers equally. And I think that is a huge step forward. And there are so many examples where pay transparency leads to really positive change. And so that's why we're seeing that drive for it. And I can't wait to see in five years time what this space looks like when we've ironed out all the little uh, issues that will pop up early on. So cool. All right, casual or permanent employment, Shell, what would you rather? Permanent. Yep, same. <laughs> We've done that. That's one. That one's done. Tick the box. All right, final one. Hang on, Sorry. do we need to talk about do that? Do we? Oh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Should we put a <laughs> sentence on it? <laughs> She's off and I'm running. Sorry. I've lost her. Uh, it's like permanent, isn't it obvious? People will be wondering because casual, you typically earn more money per hour, right? And permanent, it's like I'm on this salary and I work overtime. What the heck is this all about? But for me, it's all about the security. And I've just seen too many casuals over the years get finished up with no notice and and because you're not entitled to notice. And I just think, I just don't want people to be in that position. And it would take a special person to have been saving their casual loading in lieu of their, which they paid in lieu of their holidays and sick leave and And so on and and so forth. And you don't get redundancy if your job is suddenly not there. All those things. It's, it, yeah. If you want to know more about that, then hit us up on the Facebook group and we can go into more detail. But that one is a no brainer for us. Yes. And here's our last one. I'm going to hit you with it. Would you rather 100% remote work or 100% from the office? Oh, I always feel a little bit like uh, not embarrassed. Embarrassed isn't the right word. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm like this introvert is just screaming, but it's so nice to work remotely. But then I'm like, oh, but I really love my people. And So what's your answer? (laughs) Uh, Work remotely. I'm with you. Yeah. I don't want to. I would happily work 100% remotely forever. Yeah, me too. And I, you know, say that thanking the tech gods that we have such wonderful technology. I was in a meeting. So if you've heard croakiness or any sort of like, oh, she doesn't sort of sound herself uh, through this episode. I'm actually just off the back of COVID. They've let me out of my home and, you know, I'm really excited. And so I'm full of energy here, just getting a bit of social interaction for the first time in a week. But what was uh, really kind of cool was I was meant to be at this strategic offsite last week for two days with the the directors of the business and, you know, we, we've already rescheduled it once because half the group got COVID and then it's like this big build up. Are we all going to be there? A couple of little hurdles came up. We got through them and the morning before I was just this like left of field positive test, right? But what was so cool was we had this technology that the facilitator brought along that we set up with Zoom that would follow. And I'm just saying it like, you know, it's just like we put a man on the moon. Everyone's probably like, yeah, we've seen this tech before. But it followed whoever was speaking. So I got this like panoramic view of everyone in the room. And then it also followed the speaker, whoever was talking at the time. 
I had the comfort of my own home at the same time as feeling like I was actually in the room with these people. And so my answer work remotely comes with thank you tech gods for making it feel so real and like I don't really miss anyone. Uh, if you, <laughs> I'm smiling because I can just <laughs> see how excited Emmy's about that technology. I'm like, you, you haven't seen that before? No, well, <laughs> you know what? I haven't because we've been so lucky that in my workplace, we all just get to come together so easily. Yeah. And okay. so we do like the Teams thing and the Zoom thing and that's fine because we work across, you know, multiple different offices and whatever. But this was a bit unique for us because usually if we're coming together, like we bring our whole business together from four or five different offices every quarter and we just have everyone in the room and it's really cool. And That is amazing. Yeah. Every so we quarter. do that really well. We it's do really that really cool. well. And we therefore haven't needed to fill this gap that I'm talking about where I was the odd one out. But also just because I, I think I'm excited because I'm like, it means I can work remotely so easily. And so I answer the question with 100% work yeah. remote. Oh, I love working remotely, but that's because I don't like to be interrupted when I'm in deep work mode. <laughs> oh, and you just get, you get the time back. Like I don't have to do the hair and makeup routine. I don't have to do the commute. All those things that other people oh, would agree <laughs> with, I'm sure. Like just the... We all the other know, day, amazing. can I just tell this to close? Before, like, so the other day I was um, in a meeting, a client meeting, and I was all like dressed up, up like up I top. My, <laughs> up top, I had my earrings, I had my full hair and makeup done, uh, really nice like shirt. So exactly shirt. like today, really. <laughs> today, today I look, <laughs> no, not like today. And then I had my full active wear and my tights, my joggers, like, Anyway, so I went to pick the kids up from daycare and forgot to like look at myself in the mirror. And so they're like, oh, hello. Like, <laughs> what's going on? You're in your Zoom outfit. <laughs> like, just like. How has Zoom outfit not become some sort of like dictionary oh, defined totally term? in my Zoom outfit with yes. my like business up top and then just like that I'm going not, for a run. They talk about work-life blend. You did not work-life blend <laughs> no, well. Like you did on one hand, you work-life blended really so well. But like in like, your aesthetic. <laughs> Did not work life blend well. I did not blend. I did not blend in and I got laughed at and it was great. Anyway, so 100% remote for me. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> hey, well, we're going to wrap it up there. And I just want to say, actually, we've been getting such beautiful um, messages through on LinkedIn and via the Facebook community about these episodes. We love hearing your feedback. So follow us on LinkedIn. We'd love to connect with you. And hey, I just also would love if you listen regularly and you enjoy the show, give us a five-star rating and review because it really helps us to get the show out there. And we really value you doing that because then we get to do more episodes. Totally. Share it with a friend or family member if you hear an episode that you think will really resonate with them at the moment. And we will be forever grateful. Thank you so much and we'll be back soon. See you soon. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Money, My Millennial Money Express, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Health, and My Millennial Business. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.